Split his mug by chicken, now it bites you. Rubber dubba do, rubber dubba do. What's brighter in the world? 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 He's a popular writer from the 80s who then went on to direct Harry Potter. Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, and my pointless inventor of a friend. <laughs> Are you being attacked by a gremlin? Uh, that's what I wanted you to think, but actually, no. <laughs> Surprise I just is. had a bag on my head. No, somebody just handed me a baby. <laughs> <laughs> on your face. Yeah. All right. So thank you to the British Comedy Guide for hosting this show. Thanks to all of our lovely patrons on Patreon for gremlinising this show. Mm. And thanks to you for listening to this show. Before midnight. So this week is part two of our uh, Gremlins retelling. Mm. And last week we, uh, we got up to the point in the film where Billy... Mm-hmm. Had got a gremlin. No, no, no. He got a mogwai. Okay. <laughs> for Christmas. Is <laughs> is pointless dad the inventor who who achieves nothing and serves no purpose in the story? Mm. Had given him a cute mogwai for Christmas that he'd found in a Chinese shop, and he'd given it to his son. Told him the rules. Mm. Uh, don't feed it after midnight. Don't get it wet. Don't shine lights in its face. Billy it pretty much immediately shone a load of lights <laughs> in his face. <laughs> Invited his friend over to get it wet. You know, it's a shame that his dad didn't say a, an extra fall through him. Don't shoot it in the face because uh, then <laughs> then he would have shot it in the face and be none fine. of this would have happened. Everything be fine. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but the third rule, he did break by accident because oh. those mogwai, those evil mogwai, mm. tricked him into thinking that it was before midnight when actually it was four in the morning and he hadn't noticed mm. that time passes. If he, has, <laughs> is he, if, he, if he hasn't got a clock, he's got no sense of time passing. He doesn't he go to sleep, does he? It's just the same time. <laughs> yeah, he he doesn't need sleep. Going, no. Don't yeah. need to, no, it's still eleven forty, still eleven forty, everything's fine. I better I better feed my gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Because before midnight I'll go and give him a load of chicken. Yeah. So he at the end of last week's episode, he gave him a load of chicken and then went to sleep. Mm. So shall we find out what spooky thing might happen in the plot next, Howard? Yes, please. Part four, crossing the genocide threshold. Wow. So next morning, cocoons. Yes. The Mogwai have turned into slimy cocoons, which is particularly troubling because last night he was watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So you watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers, go to bed and wake up surrounded by cocoons. I feel like you'd be more scared than he is. Yeah. (laughs) But now he's just like, oh, that's a bit weird. Right, I'm going to work with my dog. (laughs) (laughs) Because it is Christmas Eve. But a lot of people in this movie don't really act like it's Christmas Eve, except for all that soap that they <laughs> that they spread around in the streets. Mm-hmm. Dad Peltzer, for example, yeah. goes to a tech convention oh, and... that starts on Christmas Eve, <laughs> which seems weird. <laughs> I'm not sure how many conventions there are on Christmas Eve. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. You know, but I feel like, especially a tech convention, I feel like they just go, we'll probably just wait till after Christmas. Mm. I don't think we're going to get the the attendance if we run it over Christmas Day. Because, like, he rings up and he's all like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to be back today because I might have to stay at this convention <laughs> through Christmas Day. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
<laughs> the only people who are at this convention mm. are robots from old sci-fi TV shows yeah. because humans won't go to it. Mm. All the people there are like extras and the director doing a cameo and stuff. Yeah. It's just there's no real people there at all. So he's in a different time zone though, right? So it's probably not Christmas there. <laughs> When he gets home, yeah. it'll, be, it'll be Christmas. He's in 1955. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, snogging his mum. <laughs> that's, that's what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Emmett Brown. Yeah, You've ruined Christmas again. Mm. So, yeah, so he's a, he's on the phone. He's at the tech convention. He's saying, you know, am I, I'm such an important tech guy that I might have to stay at this tech convention on Christmas Day, <laughs> despite the fact that none of my inventions work and none of them ever play any part in this movie, not even in the kitchen scene that's coming up in a few minutes, yeah. which seems almost like it's placed there specifically to show off his inventions doing things, mm. but like, just completely get ignored. Anyway, yeah, so see you, see you at New Year. Yeah, Bye, Milk. Right. Yeah, it's almost as if, you know, that scene with, you know, Robbie the robot and everyone in the background. (laughs) It's almost as if, like, he he set that up as an elaborate lie so he can cheat on his wife. (laughs) And uh, he's invented, like, camera phones. That's the one invention he he made that's really, really good. So she's looking at him. And she's looking at him in that phone call and she can see Robbie the robot walking around in the background and she goes, oh, he is it a tech convention? Wow. That's a bit weird. Why else would Robbie the robot be there? I mean, of course, at a tech convention, they always have props from old (laughs) sci-fi TV shows, right? That's really normal. Yeah. So he's definitely not cheating on me and it's normal that he is a tech convention on New Year's Christmas. Well, that makes a lot of sense because going back to our um, our concept that this is the same universe as Back to the Future because mm. it's set in Hill Valley, right? Now, in Back to the Future 2, yeah. they do have video phones, but of, it's set in 2015. And, of course, those video phones look nothing like the actual video phones we had in 2015 mm. because this is a town where the technology was started by Dad Peltzer mm. instead of the people who actually made it, and he's rubbish. So <laughs> if you want a video phone from him, mm. it's just a massive TV on your wall with someone's face on it yelling at you with a fax machine <laughs> attached. <laughs> and you're like, why have we got this? It's terrible, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and Robbie the Robot is the aerial. <laughs> yeah, you know. You have to have one of them in your house <laughs> yeah. if you have his, his, his video. Robbie, stop probably. walking away. Come here. I can't I'm losing aerial. I can't get any signal. <laughs> I mean, that's good to have a walking aerial because you're like, when you, like in the 80s. Not when, if it keeps like, running away. <laughs> not, not, a, not a kind of. Not if it keeps going to space. <laughs> Getting lost. No, you don't want it to be too autonomous or to have a will of its own. Mm. <laughs> but but you want it to be able. You want to be able to like when you had to move your aerial about and try and find the right place for it. Yeah. Th- and there'd be one position in your room, and it involved you standing on a chair by the window. Yeah. You'd be like, "This is fine. I can just get Robbie the robot to do this, and he's got extendable arms." Mm. <laughs> like up a bit, Robbie. Uh, left a bit, right a bit. Lean out the window a bit. Okay, now stay there mm. for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Robbie the robot did have a will of his own, though, didn't he? Uh, will Robinson, as point of fact. <laughs> I can't believe you've been waiting for that all this time. I'm <laughs> not listening to a word I said. Ah, yes. You know me so well. <laughs> I thought you were a bit unengaged with that. I was like, oh, that must not have been very funny. No, Howard's thought of a pun. <laughs> the other possibility. <laughs> Cut to the gremlins are hatching. Oh, shit. So the science teacher, 
calls Billy to tell him that his gremlin is hatching. Mm. And Billy gets that phone call and immediately leaves work on Christmas Eve. He's all like, sorry, I've got to go now. My gremlins are hatching. (laughs) (laughs) And his boss is, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Take the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine because we're closed. (laughs) I don't know why you're even (laughs) So the teacher is in his classroom with a scary gremlin. The first thing he does is he tries to feed the gremlin a candy bar. Mm. The gremlin understandably doesn't trust this guy because this guy locked him in a tiny cage, not much bigger than he was, didn't feed him and stabbed him in the hand with a needle. Mm. That's all he knows about and then did tests, whatever that means. We have no idea what kind of tests he's been doing, but I reiterate, since he's a middle school teacher, it was probably multiple choice. Hmm. So this gremlin was probably up until 2.20 in the morning, like doing multiple choice fucking physics tests or something. He's understandably annoyed with this teacher. So the gremlin takes appropriate revenge by eating the teacher's hand (laughs) and stabbing him with a syringe. (laughs) Of something deadly somehow. Um, Like, what? Well, we don't know. This is the interesting thing, right? Because what happens next is when when Billy arrives, he sees the teacher face down on the floor Mm. with his head under the desk with a syringe sticking out of his arse and Billy leaps immediately into action and leaves him there. (laughs) (laughs) He does not check if he's unconscious Mm. or dead or anything. And we never see that character again so we don't know i mean it definitely looks like it seems like he's dead but why would that teacher have deadly uh, poison in a ready in a syringe in his classroom or did did this newly born gremlin start like mixing up <laughs> some poison and then putting it in a syringe while the teacher watched i don't think they'd have any in the school so um... it seems foolish so it seems uh, like maybe he knocked him out and then just stuck an empty syringe in his bum to sh- to like that that'll get you back for what you did to me yeah. maybe the teacher just hit his head as he was trying to like get the gremlin or something yeah allergic reaction could have been to gremlins? Maybe to gre- you're allergic to gremlins? <laughs> oh, no, I'm allergic to gremlins. <laughs> Especially when they stick needles in his mum. Yeah. But as with many things in this film, like there's so many loose ends where they just go, right, we're, we're bored of that thing now. We're just going to forget about it. This teacher is never referred to. And then the gremlin. Uh, like Billy has some moments with the gremlin. It comes out of a cupboard at him some moments. It's all oh, very okay, exciting. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's all some bits of like gremlin. Oh, Billy's like, he's, this is his first experience of a gremlin, yes. right? So he's like, oh, fucking hell, gremlins, right? But then the gremlin escapes through an air vent. Yeah. And we never find out what happens to him or see that gremlin ever again. <laughs> yes. That one could be hiding in the shed somewhere. Like, And when they kill it, the next day they're all like, oh, we killed all the gremlins. He's going, yeah, not me, didn't. Going to get some water. <laughs> going to get some water and eat some pizza after midnight. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, the whole thing, the whole <laughs> plot, <laughs> that's very good. The whole plot is a... Um, hinges on the idea that absolutely every gremlin in Hill Valley goes to the cinema, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and all not, and none some of them, them are doing other things. Like that mm. single explosion, none of them just get half blown up mm. or manage to hide behind a chair or something. I, and I think that those gremlins that were in the bar earlier, they didn't go and fucking watch Snow White, did they? They're still in the pub. It's a weird moment because they go and but the the two heroes, like Billy and Phoebe Kate, go and hide in the bank for a, a, like a ten minutes, and when they come out, it's like, oh no, gremlins! I wonder where they've all gone, right. and, they, and they've all gone to the cinema. But yeah, you're right. There's no certainty to that. They just assume. Cut to back 
home at the Peltzer house. The gremlins, the, the new gremlins, have nailed Gizmo to a dartboard. Right. <laughs> which signifies to us, the audience, that these gremlins are not meant to be sympathised with. Yeah. All right, that's a very clear message to us. But I think it's very important to note that Mum Peltzer does not know this and never learns this, <laughs> all right? She doesn't know that gremlins can be violent because she doesn't know what happened at the school. She doesn't know they're mean to the cute one because she hasn't seen that. Mm -hmm. But she does hear a noise upstairs. She's in the kitchen. She hears a noise. She's alone in the house. And her first reaction to that i mean she knows what that there's like mogwai up there and stuff and she saw the cocoons so she grabs a knife right <laughs> she's like right i better get a really big knife the music tells us to be nervous <laughs> mum peltzer is alone in the house with loads of gremlins we better hope that she's resourceful and savage and quick to genocide <laughs> So next up comes the famous kitchen scene. Mm. All right, so here's what actually happens in the famous kitchen scene. And please remember that Mum Peltzer has not seen the gremlins do anything except what is described here. All right, this is her first experience of him. I mean, like, I mean, they are very evil looking. They're ugly, but that's her only reason. They are ugly and so she murders them. Yeah, that's what I would do. So number one. She goes into the kitchen, she finds one eating cookies and immediately shoves him in the blender and blends him to death for eating her cookies, all right? That's the fir her first experience of a gremlin. Number two, after seeing Mum Peltzer blend his brother, another gremlin retaliates by throwing some plates at her. Mm. But, you know, we can, we can assume that this second gremlin is probably worried that she's going to murder him too and is kind of defensively throwing whatever he can get his hands on, like, keep away from me, please. And, of course, it turns out he's right to do that because she immediately brutally stabs him with a kitchen knife over and over again. <laughs> and it's real kind of slasher movie moment mm. Because that's not something a normal person can do, just stab, 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 you know, repeat over and over again. Like, the gremlin's definitely been dead for several minutes, but I'm still <laughs> stabbing it. So, yeah, she doesn't wait, OK? The gremlins have done nothing wrong yet, and she murders the shit out of them because they're ugly. So what we should learn from this is don't buy her a pug for Christmas. <laughs> right? Don't buy Mum Peltzer a pug, or it won't be long before she throws it in the wood chipper because it's weird looking. <laughs> Number three, a third gremlin hmm. makes a noise behind her, so she immediately <laughs> microwaves him to death. <laughs> Right. That is literally what happened. Like the second gremlin at least threw some plates out yeah. of fear. But this one just makes a noise. She shoves him in the microwave, mm. microwaves him, and his head explodes. Yes. All right. Brilliant. So what we learn from this is don't sneak up behind this woman and put your hands over her eyes and say, guess who? Not if you like your head being unexploded. <laughs> Anyway, so what my, my understanding of this film is that there's no proof that these gremlins would have done anything more wrong than nail Gizmo to a dartboard, yeah. which, and we don't know that he didn't deserve that. I mean, come on, deadbeat dad much. <laughs> like, Gizmo's really let those guys down. Yeah. They're like, fucking useless dad. Nail him to the dartboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? But apart from that, 
we don't know that there's that they would have done anything wrong if they hadn't met that mum character first and she'd performed genocide on No, I am. I, 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 I can totally agree with you. I think the reason that they nailed him to that, that dartboard because he's, he's a stupid vegan. Because he didn't want chicken. And they're like, oh, fucking vegan? You wouldn't join our chicken party. Yeah. We are insulted. Yeah. Nail him to the dartboard. Get him on there. <laughs> and, and they don't actually kill him, do they? They're just toying with him. They don't hurt him at all. I mean, I'm saying nail him because it's funny but actually they just like tie him to it or something and throw darts like one dart near him yeah <laughs> no they don't hurt him at all yeah you wouldn't need to nail him if you had darts anyway we just dart him to the dartboard but they don't even bother <laughs> doing him that to the board mm. <laughs> all right so mum peltzer has murdered all the gremlins in the kitchen yeah. and importantly she didn't use any of dad peltzer's hmm. machines to do this not even the automatic hammer <laughs> right which seems like it was shown earlier in the film so that we'd know that she was going to use it to kill gremlins yeah and that and the uh, the egg the egg cracker is so such a lethal device yeah. it would have been perfect for cracking Absolutely. a gremlin skull open. one of them had fallen mm. like face up and then she pressed the on button and it starts like stabbing its brain out yeah no none of that none of that happens i feel sometimes i feel like maybe the dad character was added later <laughs> I mean, like, this film's a bit boring. Let's just stick a dad in. Yeah. Oh, he's not in most of it. Can we say he went to a convention yeah, and he's yeah, with Robbie the robot yeah, or something? Okay. Is that is that an option? Yeah. <laughs> we'll put some phone calls in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she she's run out of gremlins to murder in the kitchen. So she goes into the lounge to find some more. Because <laughs> right? she's she's got a taste for blood now. Yeah, she, yeah. The red mist has descended. Mm. So she sees a movement in a stocking. And she slices the stocking open, Mm. and what falls out? (laughs) A tiny toy robot. A tiny toy robot. Now, my question is, Mm -hmm. who is that toy (laughs) robot for? (laughs) Right? In this family Mm. that has an adult dad, an adult (laughs) mum, and an adult son who works in a bank. Right? (laughs) Whose present is that? Is that for the Mogwai? Mm. Is that in case another one of his 12-year-old friends? comes round <laughs> right, and, they, and is crying because there's no present for them because they're just a child I don't know I mean like you're assuming that the act, his actual parents put it in the sock and not that like <laughs> that, that Phoebe Kate's dad came down the chimney and like <laughs> Put it, put it there. Oh no, spoiler! No, he can't. Anyway, big spoiler. Everyone, spoiler for spoiler coming up. He can't. He can't. He's dead up a chimney. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's a very good. I point. mean, that's weird, right? Oh yeah. That is weird. Why are there toys in the stocking when they're all adults in that house? What is he? Is he? Why did no one decide if he was a child or an adult before they started writing the script? And at no point, they made a whole film. They went from script writing mm. to actual production. There's actors involved. I hear there's other people involved behind the scenes in movies. Yeah. And no one just went, hang on a minute, how old is this guy? Because it's really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and why is he taking his dog to work? That's why really is he weird. taking his okay. dog to work, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why is the mum buying nappies for him? What's going on in this scene? <laughs> And why has she got a baby changing table out and put him on it and <laughs> yeah. taking his pants off? This is super disturbing now, okay? Mm. Yeah, the, uh, that's one of the cutscenes, isn't it, where she talcum powders Billy's bottom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone rightly pointed out, you know, it's already quite confusing, but this is taking it too far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where she changes his nappy and then sends him back to work in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get back to the massacre. 
finally, at this point, finally, the gremlins strike back. But this is the first time they attack her. They do it in self-defence and all they do is drop a Christmas tree on her. Uh, you know, they don't make her head explode mm. or liquidise her. That's <laughs> so, true. So in terms of who is most brutal, she's definitely still winning. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, a lot of the population of the States and the world over have cats, and cats have done equally worse things as knocking Christmas trees yeah. on top of you. And done that exact thing. But, yeah, you don't blend your, you don't blend your cat, do you? No. You know, when it sneaks up on you. Just because it ate the cookies. I mean, that, that is, that's, a good, that's a good analogy. Because, essentially, these are, like, unruly pets, like new cats. She goes into the... She goes upstairs, leaves the cats in the kitchen, mm. comes back down again, and one of them's got on the counter and started eating the cookies she was making. So she blends it, <laughs> right? Another one's knocking things off the counter because it's like having fun. So she stabs it with a knife. Mm. And a third one is a bit distressed like this, goes meow, and she <laughs> microwaves it. <laughs> That's yeah. what's happening. The, the other two are a bit nervous. Yeah. They've gone to hide in the Christmas tree. Absolutely. And if <laughs> you... Then it falls and over. And if you're listening to this and you are one of those um, modern-day, like, um, t- tech wizards with, like, um, special effects in that, and you know how to replace <laughs> gremlins with cats by just getting that, yeah. please do make that. Because that would be amazing to see. (laughs) At this point, Billy arrives home, grabs one of those swords Mm. that we know are on the wall because they keep falling off when someone comes in. And Billy immediately decapitates the gremlin that is trying to put an end to Mum Peltzer's murder rampage. (laughs) (laughs) We might have called him the hero gremlin, Mm. but no, he's dead now. And he knocks the gremlin's head into the fire where it burns sacrificially. Hooray for murder humans. Yes. Is he a freedom fighter or is he a terrorist? That's the question Mm. about this gremlin. But then we see Stripe, the only surviving gremlin, the only one to survive this genocide, who blows his nose on the curtains. Yeah. And I would argue this is the first bad thing the gremlins have done. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from that, they've been victims. So then Stripe runs away through the fake snow, fortunately, the only survivor of Mum Peltzer's mass hate crime. Yeah. Part five, the hero's lowest point, or Stripe is alone and probably going to get murdered like all his brothers. So... Billy takes his mum to the house of a neighbouring couple and leaves her there, so I don't fancy those neighbours' chances much. (laughs) As soon as Billy leaves, his mum is going to murder the woman with a knife and shove the man one into the microwave and unprovokedly make his head explode. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening in that scene that you don't... I mean, you don't see those neighbours ever again. (laughs) Next time we see the mum, she's just back at home, acting like everything's normal, like she hasn't murdered her neighbours and a load of gremlins. That's fine, but she knows she can blame it on the gremlins. You're like, uh, yeah, the neighbours died, those gremlins did it. Yeah, they microwaved him. (laughs) They had to chop him up first so they could fit him in. It was really really gruesome. Uh, Yeah, so Billy goes home. Mm -hmm. Back to his house, which is, let's be honest, probably the safest place in the town because his mum's not there now. (laughs) (laughs) And, And also, she just genocided all the gremlins. So if they do turn out to be a threat, they're not there anymore because she murdered them all. Hooray! Why you needed to take her away from the house that she just completely cleaned <laughs> of, of what they think the threat is, unless Billy thinks she is the threat as well. <laughs> That's the only reason he... Like, Mum, I'm just going to take you next door so you don't kill me as well. <laughs> all right. But, actually, what seems to be happening is... I, I don't know why he does that, because Billy gets Gizmo 
and goes out looking for Stripe to finish the slaughter his mum began. Mm. Uh, he's taken over the genocide responsibilities from his mum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at this point, I feel Stripe is on a desperate bid for survival. He's running away from the site of a genocide where every, every other member of his race was killed. Yeah. And he's alone and he needs to do something. He's a single a single creature, a single small creature with um, a species of humans trying to murder him. So he goes to the YMCA swimming pool where he almost gets cornered by murderer Billy but manages to get past him and jumps in a moment of desperation, jumps into the swimming pool because he knows it's his only chance to survive, is to multiply. Mm. And he makes it. He gets in there. The swimming pool immediately starts boiling and turns green and some lights come on below it so you know something big's happening. (laughs) And everyone goes, thank goodness, maybe Stripe has a chance. (laughs) Then... We cut to the police station to see what the villain is up to. (laughs) Billy has gone to the police station to try and enlist some help from other terrible humans, the police. I'm surprised they're not not more on board with the idea. No, they don't believe him. They don't believe Billy when he says there's loads of monsters in the swimming pool. (laughs) For some reason. (laughs) Cut to the racist man's house. So racist man is watching TV. But unfortunately, his TV isn't working because there's like 50 gremlins hanging off his aerial. (laughs) So he goes outside to check and a load of gremlins try to run him over with his own snowplow. And the, the thing I noticed in the movie, this is the moment that the Gremlins music plays for the first time, like the proper kind of iconic Gremlins theme plays at this moment of murder (laughs) because they are the heroes, because this is their moment of triumph when they're finally striking back. They've got the numbers now. They're not just one or even five Gremlins Mm. trying to survive the mass murder of mum murderer. They're like, yeah, we've got vehicles and numbers now. This is the moment of triumph for the heroes. So the theme tune plays, because if it's not that it's really inappropriate (laughs) if you're on the side of the humans then it's really weird to play this uplifting theme tune when the the heroes are getting murdered well i mean in that but but, i mean even though you're being uh, amusing um (laughs) thanks howard that's a pleasure you're always there to boost me (laughs) make me feel good even though you're doing a couple of jokes (laughs) even though i mean even you're being amusing about it things like when you watch that film as a kid you totally are on the side of the gremlins. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, and I think the the thing I realise now is that you are correct as a kid to be on the <laughs> gremlins side. Not just because like that's fun, yeah. but because they are ideologically correct. And like you know, but both. <laughs> I mean, you're happy with Mogwise or Gremlins. You yeah. just prefer them to the humans, and it's Stupid like yeah, humans, oh, they're getting yeah. humans. Brilliant. That is hilarious. Like yeah, kill that yeah. one. She's annoying. No, yeah. fair enough. Maybe that what you're saying there is actually quite a wise observation. I know you're being amusing and everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah, no, I mean, maybe you're right because it is. I mean, much as it's a weird, like tonally strange film, and you, sometimes it doesn't feel exactly like a kids' film. It is, mm. or it's at least it's a family film. And even if it's not entirely deliberate, you like you do make the the you know, the kind of like the action is on the side of the gremlins, isn't it? Because the humans are yeah. Apart from in that murder scene we've just had, the humans are largely defensive. And the, the the gremlins are the ones that drive the action, so you kind of are on their side, aren't you? Yeah. Nobody like you know, after the movie was made and they made all the toys, no one bought mum <laughs> mum knifing gremlin doll, did they? Mum with microwave. 
yeah. this figure comes from yeah. his own microwave with blood. She's got like a microwave, microwave blender or knife. And like, you know, but everyone wants a gremlin. Cut to another of the most famous scenes in this movie. The gremlins are outside Mrs. Scroogel's house. Three. Now, firstly, they read the sign so that we all know gremlins can read without learning and therefore they are cleverer and more advanced creatures than humans. And also, let's not forget they can drive. Yeah. <laughs> right? Gremlins are born knowing how to drive. Yes. <laughs> right? Think about how long it play takes dogs. humans play to learn Play dogs that. and run, and, <laughs> yeah. and run bars. Yes. Gremlins are so much smarter than humans. And these creatures have all been basically born today and and the, started getting murdered by savages. That's their experience. I was born today and savages who can't even read or drive cars when they're born. And it's like, it takes them years to learn how to read and drive cars. Started murdering me with knives and blenders. <laughs> Yeah. I am understandably upset about this on the day I was born. <laughs> so we um, cut to Mrs. Scroogel, who is um, inside her house uh, on her chairlift, so we know how that works, right? She's got loads of cats because she's a villain, and cat uh, villains have cats, heroes have dogs. Mm. And the gremlins arrive, and they like knock on her door ring her doorbell or whatever so that they can carol their own theme tune <laughs> that's another thing gremlins are born knowing they're born knowing their own theme tune so they can all go at the, at the door wearing their gremlin clothes let's not forget because they've all been to the gremlin shop to get small clothes small guns small cars because this town is ready for gremlins and I, I feel they've Known that they exist for a long time. <laughs> now, here's something weird I noticed at this point that I, I don't think I've ever noticed before when I watched this film. Yeah. Mrs. Scroogel, right, she sees the gremlins. They've come to her door and she shouts, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. That's her reaction, all right? <laughs> so she thinks these gremlins are demons that have come to take her to hell because yeah. she knows she's a villain and she's like no I'm not ready I'm not ready and that's why that's what she's shouting when she gets on her chair on her chairlift and tries to escape on her chairlift yes does she think she's going to hell that's real yeah but not in the chairlift she thinks she's going to get to hell yeah in the she's going to try to go the other way yeah it makes sense her instincts are like go up because these yeah. things are going to drag me down yes but of course the gremlins are electronics experts, and so they've wired her chair to catapult her out of her upstairs window, mm. which it does. And again, we never find out if she's dead or not. I mean, <sighs> again, we assume she is because that's quite a fall, but she's just forgotten about after that. Now, the next thing we see outside, Santa is covered in gremlins. <laughs> Santa's like got five gremlins attacking him and he's stumbling down the street. And the police, the two police officers are inside their car and they watch him through the window getting eaten by gremlins. Yeah. And then they drive away and leave him. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, look, Santa's getting eaten by five monsters. Right, bye. <laughs> nothing, nothing to see here, everybody. We're just going to leave. Cut to Corey Feldman. Remember him? He's in this film, all right? Yeah, yeah. And he's being attacked by gremlins because everyone is. He's in his bedroom. He's got his slingshot. He's got his Bart Simpson slingshot. Yeah, and yeah. he's shooting the gremlins with it. And then he there's a gremlin hanging from his Christmas lights. So he gets out a big pair of metal scissors. 
right? And cuts the electrical wire yeah. so that the gremlin falls down. Fortunately, he's fine. Right? Really? That doesn't kill him. That's nice. But he's also never seen or mentioned again after this. <laughs> <laughs> He's never in this movie. That's no one says his name or says anything about him. He's being attacked by loads of gremlins. We don't find out if they ate him or not. He's not in the sequel. He's not mentioned in the sequel. We do not know what happened to tree boy Corey Feldman after he was literally surrounded by gremlins. We see him cut his wire so one of them falls down a bit but mm. apart from that he doesn't get much victory over these gremlins so i assume he's got murdered right i like the way that like no one's in it ever again it's great <laughs> so many characters just <laughs> forgotten about just like okay we're done with that one now bye it's almost as if you didn't need them in the first place <laughs> yeah that would have been the best way of explaining why he's got a 12 year old friend um is by not giving him one at all <laughs> yeah. That's really easy, a really yeah. easy and understandable way of explaining that really odd relationship mm. by not including. Yeah, yeah what about what about have Phoebe Cates come over to your house and like she can knock water yeah. on your gremlin if you like. <laughs> I'm going to say that would have been... If you'd been in the writer's room, that would have been a very good suggestion. Uh, everybody, what if Corey Feldman's not in this film? Uh, oh, hang on. You're saying we we can make a kid's film in the 80s without Corey Feldman in it? Are you sure? Oh, no, actually, yeah, good oh, point. Maybe, maybe maybe we can't do that. No, no, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll hook Corey Feldman with Phoebe Cakes and we'll get rid of that other guy who's never been in anything else. <laughs> Nobody's heard of, nobody knows the name of, is not famous and somehow is the main character. Well, do you know why he got the job? Because they sacked um, the guy from... From Back they to the Future. Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. <laughs> they sacked Eric Stoltz for being rubbish yeah. and gave this guy the job instead. Yeah. Yeah. You knew what I meant, because we're in Hill Valley. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not that. That's what happened with Back to the Future. Um, it's be- the reason he got the job was because they thought he had great chemistry with Phoebe Cates. Uh, okay, it's so weird. Yes, it is. Right, <laughs> super fucking weird. Especially since you're admitting we've cast Phoebe Cates because you know she's a name. Yeah. Now let's get someone we've never heard of to be the main character. <laughs> yeah. Make her the main character. What's yeah. wrong with that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't have a love interest. Just yeah. put her in the main part. And sack and Judge Reinhold immediately. Corey Feldman's her little brother. Yeah. That would be that would be a better film. Yeah. Don't she doesn't need to tell anyone about that weird story about what I'm to her dad. She does. Her dad is an inventor. <laughs> she does because Corey doesn't know because he grew up without a dad, and it's like I've been yeah. meaning to tell you. Actually, this. yeah. Then then Dad Peltzer doesn't need to be in it pointlessly as well yeah, because yeah. he died in a chimney years I know, ago. But he is in it because he's a ghost. <laughs> This is a much better film. I've got an amazing story to tell you about <laughs> gremlins. By the way, I'm a ghost. ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I was ghosting around Chinatown <laughs> looking for a present for my daughter. Yeah. When I found a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought this will murder her good and proper. <laughs> I'll take two, I says. Either this will murder her or my wife will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, again, that is a good rewrite. Cut the fucking pointless... Because there is no real romance in this movie, is there? He asks her out and nothing comes of it. Again, that's a, a, another plot that's set up and then they're just like, well, <laughs> whatever. I mean, uh, even they must realise nothing can come of that relationship when she's, like, you know, clearly depressed and talking about suicide all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. This cannot end with them getting together. But in most 
most movies that set up this kind of pointless fucking romance subplot, they have a moment that the those characters get to have a kiss or something. Yeah. But these don't. These don't. Well, no, they have a conversation about Santa Claus being dead <laughs> yeah, instead. They have a conversation about her dead dad stuck mm. in a chimney. Yeah. But they do not. It's the romance plot is another thing that's just like presented at the beginning and then forgotten about and never resolved. Like everything in this film. Mm. <laughs> so we get no. I think you're right. Cut the fucking romance. Make Phoebe Cates the main character. Corey Feldman's her younger brother. Her dad's dead up a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> her mum yeah. is really upset about yeah. it and quick to murder because of it. Yeah. She's never really come to terms with that. Yeah. I mean, that is horrifying. Phoebe Cates is super depressed, and her mum is genocidal. Yes, <laughs> right? but now I, because of that experience. Now I know that, like you know, but now now I'm aware that um, Dad Peltzer is Phoebe Cates' dad, and he's dead up a chimney and he's a ghost. <laughs> I kind of want him to be the main character. I don't, I don't want to like give Phoebe Cates the main role and then take it away again. But the idea of a Dad Ghost Peltzer, Ghost Dad Peltzer, just like being the main character—that's too exciting to let let go. I don't know though, but, but but what you've got with Dad Peltzer, Dad Ghost Peltzer, right? Is you've got this one. I mean, his role in the film now is is really stupid because he's there at the beginning and he's there mm. at the end and he makes phone calls intermittently. But if he's a ghost, yeah. that role is brilliant. Because him just being like bookending it, doing the voiceovers, maybe give him a few voice, a few yeah, more yeah, yeah. voiceovers, and also ringing up occasionally, going woo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm at a, I'm at a tech, I'm at a tech convention. You're like, no, you're not, Dad. It's Christmas Eve. There's nobody. Fuck off. She's like, there's nobody on the end of the line. Is there anybody there? <laughs> Goes for dinner with her. She can't see him. <laughs> Yeah, where are you this Christmas Eve? Oh, I'm just talking to a boy. Every time, every time a gremlin is born, he goes and psychoanalyzes it. <laughs> How often do you see gremlins? Out <laughs> of time. I'm sorry, I can't understand a word you're saying. Pass me a, chi- pass me a Chinese man to translate this English. Yeah. Cut to the bar. Phoebe Kate is serving gremlins. Yay. And, I mean, she's giving them drinks, not she's cooking them and putting them on plates. She's not Billy's mum. <laughs> so this scene we're about to see, this bar scene, is basically Gremlins 2, but shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to... Billy and Phoebe Kate run away and hide in the bank. Mm -hmm. Billy says, they're gremlins, Kate. Mr Futterman was right. And if he was right about gremlins, perhaps he was right about all the racism and voting for Trump as well. (laughs) (laughs) Which I I maintain is the subliminal message of this film. Mm -hmm. And then, for no reason, at the height of their tension... Phoebe Kate tells Billy what happened when she was nine. <laughs> and it comes out of... No- and also, again, I couldn't quite hear the linking line because I can never tell what she's saying because she mumbles her way through this whole film. But she's like, oh, well, gremlins are attacking us. So, oh, but let me tell you a story about Christmas Eve when I was nine. And me and my mum were decorating the tree, waiting for dad to come home from work. And then he didn't. And then Christmas Day came and went. And then four or five days went by and then one day I went to light the fire and I noticed a strange smell and some firemen came round and pulled out my dead dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
who'd been dead up the chimney for several days. And at this moment in the movie, Gizmo's expression is all of us. <laughs> right? Because like Billy's trying to be all like sympathetic and Gizmo's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. His expression is absolutely what I was feeling at this moment. Because yeah, Gizmo's going like, was your dad a gremlin? I mean, how did he get down the fucking chimney? <laughs> yeah, it is so insane. Did he actually go up to the roof and climb down? Because that's not possible. So, so he must have climbed up the chimney from the fireplace because you can't get through a fucking chimney pot. No, that's that's the impl- implication because she says he slipped and broke his neck and like slipped on what? <laughs> it would make more sense if he went up to the roof, found that you really can't climb down chimneys, yeah. then slipped on the roof and fell off and died and then they found him immediately because it doesn't take five days to find someone who's fell off your roof. Yeah. That would make more sense. But it's not the horrifying, memorable story that Phoebe Kate wants to tell about her dad being stuck dead in a chimney for five days and that's why she doesn't like Christmas, which also has nothing to do with her character or the film and doesn't need to be in this. It doesn't add anything to the film. It's just early on she says some people commit suicide at Christmas and I don't like it and later she reveals that the reason why is because her dad was dead up a chimney. Yeah. Realistically though, she should hate the 30th of December shouldn't she more because that's 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 when they found him. Like, you know, yeah. Christmas was fine. I hate New Year's. Dad was just missing but like fucking hell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is fair, and that's that's why her story is so odd, because <laughs> she gets the date wrong, <laughs> and the scene ends on the line, and that's how I found out that there was no Santa Claus. Like that's the thing she takes from this story. <laughs> Not, and then and then I was upset because my dad was mm. dead. But that's, you know, that was the debt. That's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Which of those two things do you remember? I mean, personally, I don't remember learning there was no Santa Claus. But I feel like if my dad had died when I was nine, <laughs> I would have a clear memory of that and not be focused on the Santa Claus part. I know. I, w- I totally wouldn't have taken that from it. I would have been, I would have been like, Santa Claus does exist. Ooh. It was my dad, but he's dead now. <laughs> This, pr- this is proof that Santa Claus exists when you find him dead up your <laughs> chimney, right? And that's how I found out that Santa Claus had died and since then there's been no Santa yeah. Claus. And I, but I, I, I am Phoebe Claus. You're the first person to see Santa, albeit dead up your <laughs> chimney, but I mean, he was fucking dead. there, right? Yeah, because he's too magic. You can't see him because he magics mm. away. But if he's too dead to magic mm. away, you're like, well, guess who found Santa Claus? It was me. I killed him with my mm. chimney. <laughs> also, Phoebe Cates definitely has an awful, awful mum, right? Obviously, like, like when they were like, whoa, there's something stinking up there. Let's drag it out and let's have Phoebe in the room when we drag it down. And like, oh, look, it's your dead dad <laughs> yeah. in a Santa Claus outfit. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even if it is a raccoon, they think it's a raccoon. You don't want your daughter, your no. nine-year-old to see a dead raccoon. No, you send her away. And then when, no, I then when the mum yeah. finds out the dad that happens, you don't tell your daughter, this is what happened this Christmas, your dad somehow managed to get down the chimney using magic (laughs) oh by the way Santa Claus isn't real (laughs) your dad's dead Santa Claus isn't real and I'm punching you Mm. next (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh fucking hell mum I mean why didn't he tell his wife that he was going to do that because she would have have said she would have said don't do that (laughs) you will slip and die die. Yeah, if you can get in a chimney, yeah. that is the worst. Like, I mean, firstly, you've got bad mm. chimneys, but secondly, don't do that. Yeah, but I mean, people talk a lot about this story and how odd it is, but I think the oddest thing is how out of nowhere it comes. It's really she suddenly in the in a moment that it is 
completely inappropriate when they should be worrying about how they're going to not get murdered by gremlins. Mm. She goes, oh, here's an irrelevant story <laughs> about something really horrific that happened to me. And then she tells it and then they never mention it again. <laughs> and it has no impact on anything that happens afterwards, just like everything else in this movie. You throw an idea in and then you go, right, done, bye. <laughs> <laughs> like you're making an anthology film. And once Corey Feldman's been in it a couple of times, you don't need him anymore. So you just don't mention him. I like to think, like, um, <laughs> from the point of view of like where this kind of movie came from, I like to think that somebody had this idea about your dad kind of coming down a chimney and like you know dying down there, and thought that's a good idea. I must put that in a film. Oh, they definitely did, and I, I can support this idea having yeah. read the first draft of this movie, which this story is in, told by a different character. Oh, really? Shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. And that, that's You're I mean, absolutely I mean, right. Because why is it set at Christmas? Like you say, like the dad's away at a, c- a convention. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, oh, so, yeah. so at some point it's like, I've got this great idea about my dad dying down a chimney, um, pretending to be yeah. Santa Claus. And it's like, well, let's set it at Christmas so we can tell this story. And uh, That you know, makes sense because, I mean, it's a present, right? It could be his birthday. There's no other reason for it to be Christmas. Nothing Christmassy happens. No. Except her story, hmm. which is in the first draft told by another character. Uh, yeah, I think you might be right. This script actually began with this story hmm. <laughs> about someone's dad dying in a chimney and everything else was added on to that story yeah. without any sense of it, making, of it being connected. Mm-hmm. So after she says, that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus, they go outside, but where have all the gremlins gone? Mm-hmm. Part six, atonement with the mother, or Billy's turn to do a genocide. So they find the gremlins in the movie theatre watching Snow White. Villains! (laughs) The evil evil gremlins watching a kid's film all sing along to hi-ho. Because when they're not being murdered, (laughs) they just want to have fun. Yeah, they're having such a good time. And they're, they're, they're pre- again, they're presented as bad largely because they're messy, because mm. they're a bit messy with the food, you know, and like, oh, what don't these creatures all deserve to die for dropping a bit of popcorn? Yeah. They're having a great time. And Phoebe Cates is like, what are they doing? And Billy says, they're watching Snow White and they love it. And Phoebe says, let's murder them all. <laughs> <laughs> and Billy says, yeah, good idea. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Billy and Phoebe go downstairs and open the gas pipes and blow up the theatre. Second genocide! Even bigger. He's, like, taking it to the next level from his mum's example. Cut to loads of gremlins screaming and on fire. (laughs) Fucking horrifying. But Stripe, the hero of the movie, escaped again. He just happened to be out getting some sweets when Mm. Billy did his genocide. Villain getting some sweets. (laughs) But let's not forget, Stripe has just witnessed his second genocide by one family. And his reaction to this is to run away. Mm. Fair enough. This Mm. family has killed hundreds of gremlins and Stripe is the only one still alive. Although maybe that one from the school survived, but we don't know where he is. Well, I mean, the first time, the first genocide was they killed his um, like brothers or sisters or whatever. Yeah. But this time they just killed all his children. All his children, yeah. Right? They're his <laughs> yeah. children. Yes, that is true. So it's kind of worse. And also there were hundreds of them. Yeah. Yes. 
So Stripe runs away, but Billy has got the taste of blood now hmm. and he's not going to let Stripe go without murdering him. Yeah. So they break into the department store. <laughs> so Stripe wires a video camera to all the TVs, which is pretty impressive because I don't know how many humans would know how to do that in 1984. <laughs> but, but, you know, gremlins are born with a lot of electrical knowledge. And um, Phoebe Kate goes to a room and starts pressing buttons. Mm. For about the next 10 minutes, she's mm. just going to be pressing buttons. So Stripe is on the run. And as with any horror movie where you've got a, a murderer chasing a victim, the victim tries, like, grabs whatever they can to mm -hmm. try to defend themselves. Stripe grabs a crossbow, tries to shoot the murderer, Billy, with a crossbow, but only gets him in the arm. Then he finds a chainsaw. Stripe <laughs> is terrified for his life. He's doing whatever he can, but Billy always wins. And, of course, Billy's got a traitor on his side yeah. because Gizmo finds a toy car which he can drive from inside, which is not a thing. <laughs> All right? They don't make toy cars with, with like, a, a, an accelerator and a steering wheel that works. That like, you, you know, it, it, what should have happened there is Gizmo should have been sitting in a toy car and holding a remote control mm. <laughs> and, then, and working it from inside the car but using the remote control. That would have actually still looked quite that's, cool, I think. That's what he was doing. What he did was he... Um, he's, uh, one of his skills is uh, um, car engineer. And what he did is he installed the controls <laughs> into the car before he got in it and drove it, and that's what's Oh, he's using there. his foot to push the forward yes. um, so lever. He is, he on is the, doing all those things. On the remote control. Fair enough. I mean, I can believe that Gremlins or, or Mogwai can be born with motor mechanic skills mm. from what I've seen of them. So I, I can I can accept that. Hurry. All right, so after about 10 minutes of pushing buttons, Phoebe Kate <laughs> works out how to switch the lights on <laughs> and the lights come on and then Gizmo arrives and opens the blinds. Yay. Which, fortunately for the murderers, shines sunlight directly on Stripe completing the genocide. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. It's nice that Gizmo could get involved in all the murder after he got Stockholm Syndrome <laughs> right? and murder his own child. That is his kid, yeah. That well, is well, his kid, yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's important to remember that at this point in the movie, uh, Stripe is in a fountain and he's about to, like, you know, do tribbling. And... Um, and like even now when I watch it, I still hope that a load of skeletons are going to shoot out of him, and this is going to give birth <laughs> yeah. to a load of skeletons. Yeah, yeah, because Mogwai get wet and give birth to more Mogwai. Gremlins yeah. get wet and give birth to more Gremlins. We definitely see that in yeah. two, even if it. I don't know if it happens. No, yeah, no, that that happens to Stripe, doesn't it? That, skeletons, actually, that does happen in this one. Skeletons get wet and give birth to get more skeletons. Yes. <laughs> That would be good, but again, um, Stripe is just doing what he can to try and survive. It, you know, it, it got it got him away the first time. This makes sense, but unfortunately, he doesn't make it this time. He gets melted into a pool of bubbling slime, and the Peltzer family are happy because they have murdered everyone. <laughs> they have completely killed an entire species. Well done Peltzer family. And for some reason the dog's there. And the dad turns up. The dad and the dog turn up at the end so they can all walk away together yeah. in, in a glow of happiness because of all the murder. <laughs> right. Epilogue. Mm. Jack of two worlds, master of none. <laughs> Mum Peltzer puts a thermometer in Gizmo's mouth because she knows what temperature Mogwai are supposed to be. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
And then she says, "Oh, I bet he'd like some chicken soup. Mm. Soup? I mean, that's wet, right? <laughs> Don't give him soup. This is going to all start again if you give him soup. Yeah. You're allowed to get them wet inside. That's... Uh... <laughs> Entirely no, they say rule. don't give them water to drink or anything. Just do don't that. let them drink as well. Yeah. Oh, shit. Anyway, she decides to give. She does go and get some soup. But fortunately, mm. when she turns around, there's a spooky Chinese man standing behind her in her house. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, so nice. fortunately, he can stop her from just making this whole situation start all over again. Mm. Is the go- does the gong man return to play the gong? <laughs> no, unfortunately okay. he hasn't got his racism gong. Yeah, He's just like, after watching this film, there's been too many moments when I should have hit it. Hmm. And I decided, after I got it wrong that first time, <laughs> <laughs> after I did it just on the word dragon that first time, I just let the rest of the racism go. Anyway, the Chinese man tells them that this has all been a metaphor for climate change. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> That's his observation. And then he takes Gizmo back. And Gizmo says bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem particularly sad to be leaving because this Aww. has been the most horrifying experience of his life. Mm. <laughs> and now it's over, thank goodness. Mm. One day, when Gizmo is in extreme danger at Christmas, he'll turn to the other Mogwai he's with and say, you know why I hate Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> because one year I was sold to a man and then I had loads of children who all got brutally murdered by the man's wife on Christmas Eve and when they were only a day old. Yeah. But one of them escaped and gave me loads of grandchildren yeah. who all got blown to pieces by the man's <laughs> son about half an hour after they were born. Yeah. I really hope I don't have to go through all this again in some kind of sequel. I've had enough of watching my babies turn into soup by murderous humans. <laughs> yeah, we and we hate soup because if we drink it, <laughs> we have babies. <laughs> then we get the pointless dad voiceover again, even though <laughs> even though he was the second to least important character in the film after Corey Feldman. <laughs> Right. He gets to do the fucking ending voiceover yeah. and he says, if a machine goes wrong in your house, it might be because a little green monster did it. Mm. So you should always be ready to commit genocide. <laughs> Excellent. And that is why whenever my TV goes a bit wobbly, I get my knife out and start stabbing it. <laughs> start putting animals in your microwave yeah. just in case. Can never be too sure. Chris Columbus dreamt of being a writer So we sat and went way past midnight uh. If it is mug watch you can now it bites you Rubba dubba do Rubba dubba do Was writer in the world Was writer in the world Was writer in the world Was writer in the Thank you for listening to this episode, for, to these two episodes of The Worst Writer in the World, our Gremlin special. It's not enough. It's not enough. If only it were 20 episodes long of you telling me about Dad's being <laughs> up chimneys. Well, I'm sure I'm sure we'll mention that again in the future. Great. Uh, no, we do, because we've already recorded some episodes where we do. But, hey, I've got a little surprise for you, because... Oh, wow. um, I've got a way to make this last longer, which is what I've been thinking is Mm -hmm. it's time for another writing challenge on the worst writer in the world. And I feel it's very much your turn. What? No, I challenge you. No, no, I challenge you to write (laughs) 
Uh, not Gremlins. <laughs> no, okay. I challenge you. No, well, so that's already right been Gremlins. written. That's no, fine. that's been yeah, done. Yeah. No, but I was thinking Gremlins, right? It's like mm. a kid's film, but it's also scary. Yeah. And that's a difficult balance to pull off, right? Kid's thing, but that's the right level of scary, not too scary. Yeah, right? yeah. So I would like you to write a kid's story or script or whatever you prefer. Attack that is of spooky. the Pedos. <laughs> Is that no. is that right no. in the ballpark no. of no <laughs> okay. no no D- like, well, that's what I'm saying it's right. got to be scary to the kids but yeah. not hugely inappropriate okay right, right yeah, the kind yeah. of thing that a studio like a, even a, like a studio like a very careful studio like Disney would make right yes but still a bit scary so you've got to get that balance right do you okay. think you can do it Howard yeah easy I think I was born right. to write scary children's stories <laughs> yeah you were yeah all right well you've got a week we'll do that one next week. A week? Okay, well, we'd better let Howard get on with it. If you'd like more stuff, buy us. Check out patreon.com forward slash manbycow, where for as little as $2 a month, you can get loads. Or you could just pay one off and get loads and then leave. Yes! <laughs> Don't do that, then. Join and stay forever, like long-term listener and long-term idiot Keone Morell. <laughs> <laughs> who who wrote in with some fascinating insights into gremlins, didn't he? What did he say? He said, incidentally, and those not growing up in America in the 80s might not know, a lot of the ideas of the gremlins movie, suicide on Christmas, dad in Santa's suit, dying in a chimney, and exploding pet in the microwave were basically callbacks to urban legends that floated around at the time, which makes sense to him in a movie that is named after an urban legend. That's what he says. does make a good point, yeah. He also then later said he wasn't sure mm. which came first, the urban legends or the movie. But I think, I think he's right first. I think his first thought is right, that the urban yeah. legends probably came first. And although I don't think we did share most of them, but the pet in the microwave thing was definitely a, an urgent... An urgent Leben, an urgent leaven. It was an urgent <laughs> <laughs> Because you know there always be stories about some some poor old lady put her cat in the microwave to dry it off. Yeah, and then it exploded. I mean they do it in the very first the very first episode of Hail and Pace. They um, pop a cat in the microwave, don't they? That's a, one of yeah, their, true, uh... but irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> But thanks for joining in. (laughs) All right, so uh, that's all for this week. We'll be back next week with Howard's brand new piece of writing, Scary for Children. Bye-bye, Milk. Once upon a time, I came to school. (laughs) Bye-bye, Milk. Hello, children, I says. Bye-bye, Milk. milk. (laughs) He's a stupid, suck-ass, rubbish writer.